Business is simple. It's just not easy. We focus on three things to help you run and grow your business more easily. Talent, sales, and how to scale. Can it be that simple? Talent. Develop a robust recruiting, vetting, and training process to help capable people and then help them to become who and what they want to be. Sales. Have a logical go-to-market strategy. Build the sales and marketing structure and plan around it and then attack and execute the plan with fanatical consistency. Scale. Know where you're going, why you're going. Share with others why they would want to join you. Be clear on who's allowed to join you and what they'll need to do to stay on board. Anticipate roadblocks. Avoid them before you get stuck. And then when you do hit one, and you will, stay calm, problem solve, and find resources to get unstuck. Sounds simple, right? Simple to understand, but not easy to do. Join us as we focus on the tips and tricks and hacks for running a profitable, hyper-growth business. We'll share real-world horror stories and celebrate the victory sagas that will inspire you. This is the Talent, Sales, and Scale Show. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Whittington with the Talent, Sales, and Scale Show. Today, we have Casey Collin and Adam Boyd of the Northwood Group. And they're going to be talking about, uh, okay, so PPP money is, is, is running out. The idle loans, maybe you got them, maybe you didn't. Uh, maybe you went to the SBA and you couldn't get a loan in your doing well. Growth sucks cash, as we know. So Casey and Adam are going to give us some alternative ways to find funding. So welcome, Casey and Adam, to the show. It's great to be here, Brian. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Absolutely. It's kind of hard to know who's, who's talking first. So I'll throw this out here. I mean, um, you know, funding, cash flow management, one of the things that we don't really deal with too often, but if you don't have it, it's the lifeblood of, of business. And as we all know, growth sucks cash. So uh, Casey and Adam, whoever wants to take this, I mean, uh, why give us a little bit of background. How did you get the expertise in alternative funding or funding in general? And why in the world should they even listen to you? Right. So uh, who wants to take that one? I'll let Great Adam, question. I'll let Adam go with that one. That sounds <laughs> like why should anyone listen to Adam? We'll have him start and I'll chime in. Well, the only reason my kids listen to me is I, <laughs> I dictate their bedtime and what they get to eat. So I don't have nearly that much credibility or leverage uh, in these conversations. But um, Casey and I are really fortunate to partner with uh, a couple of great people, uh, Deborah Zakonik and Cole Harmonson of Dare Capital. And between the two of them, I think they have 65 years of financing experience with small businesses. And if I had to do the math, I think they've funded over a thousand businesses with over $9 billion okay. in that 65 year period. And I had, you talk about sales. I had uh, an early cold call into Cole Harmonson in 2008. And then I ended up working with him as a consultant for I think seven years thereafter and got to know his last business, Far West Capital, really well and watched it intricately and saw how it worked and what it did. And then, you know, in Austin, Casey and I are around the startup scene 
you know, we're not in it day in and day out, but we have a lot of conversations with private equity groups, family offices, uh, lenders of every tribe, tongue, and nation, so to speak. And then we've really just learned a ton working with Cole and, and Deborah. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit about where we learned it. And, you know, my, my space or experience in it goes back to at least 2010. And then we just learn from looking at deals all the time, talking to businesses, talking to lenders, talking to people who structure deals. So, and maybe people should listen to us because we're actually able to fund some of them. I don't know. We got some money. <laughs> maybe that helps. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Brian, to your point, there's, or to your question, I guess, you know, cash flow management is critical to a business, right? A lot of people say it's similar to like breathing, right? You don't think about how critical breathing is until you're, you run out of air or you're having trouble breathing, right? Same thing for cash flow with the health of a business. And so when cash flow gets dire, a lot of people aren't sure what to do, where to go, and, you know, how to, how to get cash quickly. Um, you know, on a lot of places or a lot of people, you know, in the tech sector will look at maybe raising equity or selling their equity, right, which is the most expensive route they can go. And then you can go into more fast, um, fast cash advance, like a merchant cash advance, or an MCA, which has some, some uh, trouble with it, depending on your businesses. But there's an, an entire world that Adam has mentioned that is really the alternative finance financing world of it can be anything from a, a factor to an asset based lender to you know as long as your business has an asset or some other type of collateral you know there's usually a lender that might be able to help you um, it just depends on if you know where to look and unfortunately a lot of folks don't know the options that are out there because they just know the bank and they don't have the bank they're like well I can give you a piece of my company and that's what they think of their options are yeah. Okay, so with that said, let, let's go down to the specifics because most of the people, if I'm a founder, if I'm a business owner, if I'm in the trenches every single day, you know, going back to the E-Myth uh, e -myth Revisitor, right, Michael Gerber, I know how to do my job. I know what to do, but I surely don't know cash flow management and all of the intricacies that go into running the business for the most part. Now, some of you do, I got it, but so we'll go into the 201, 301 in a bit, but let's go higher level. Okay, I need cash. I need it quickly. Uh, you know, what are some of my alternatives? You talked about this merchant cash advance. You talked about um, if I have some type of inventory, but usually if I'm a startup, uh, you know, I don't have any assets. There is no asset-based lending. I, I look horrible from a personal uh, personal financial statement standpoint because all my money is going into the, into the company. So what are some of my options as an as a early stage startup? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best on this. Um, a lot of people, it, it depends, right? When we think startup, we almost entirely think of or solely think of a tech startup, right? We don't right. think of a service business like you're in. We don't think of um, maybe a small manufacturer or uh, a consumer packaged good company that has inventory, right? Um, but in... A business like yours, you have your current assets on your balance sheet, which are your receivables. Okay. You have customers who are going to pay 
The problem is they're going to pay in 30 or 45 or 60 days, depending on how you invoice and how they pay. So, so you hope, right? Right. So what someone like us can do is say, hey, look, we know the customer's going to pay. We, we've, we've got some due diligence done on them. We know you're, you as an operator are running and growing a business, and we can collapse that time period so that we bring the cash up forward. Right. We charge a fee for that, but what that's one of the ways to do it. Now, if you've got inventory, you can actually get a loan against your inventory. If you have machinery or equipment, you can get somebody to lend against machinery or equipment or even sell it and lease it back so that you free up all sorts of cash. There are people who all your computers, all of your servers, all of the machinery that you would plug in, they will actually buy it from you cut you a check and then allow you to lease it back. So it's freed up this pile of cash for you to go and use. So Casey can probably talk about some of the other uh, types of loans or what we'll call facilities that are out there. Yeah, I mean, I think to, to Adam's point, there's, you know, you, you've got to be creative, right? And I think um, he hit the nail on the head. I guess to your point, Brian, are you saying, hey, I have no assets, I don't have anything? So where am I starting from, I guess, in, in your scenario with the question? Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, there's no right one right answer there, yeah. but you brought up a really good point of being creative, right? You have to look at yeah. that cash flow management and are, can, you, can you charge differently? Can you charge upfront? How do you, what can you do differently to really drive this? So um, I, I think creativity is a big piece too, but I, I'm just more overarching for those listening. If I don't want to give up equity, and I can't go to the bank. You know, we, we talked about merchant cash advance, receivable loans, asset-based loans, being creative on the cash flow management. What other things might we have uh, in, within our arsenal that maybe uh, we're not thinking about? And the answer might be that's it. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, one of the things that an operator, and when, when we talk about the entrepreneur, I for whatever reason, I've always said operator, but one of the things to think about is, okay, can you incentivize your customers to pay faster? Yeah. Right. You may like, we can help you. We can advance it. You know, we could advance something that might be 90 days out. You could look at it and say, Hey, I'm going to offer them an X percent discount to pay sooner or to pay up front. And you may not need all your customers to do that. You just might need one or two or three because of how it funds the business. Um, you may look at some of your payables and try to strike deals with people where you stretch out payment terms because what that does is it frees up that working capital and working capital is really misunderstood by a lot of people. It gets them in a lot of trouble because they don't know how to do it. So these are, you know, your payables and your receivables, as much as you can kind of massage those to work in your favor, the better off you're going to be. And then Casey knows a lot more about bridge loans and term loans. There are people who do cash flow loans. Um, some people just look at SaaS businesses, which I know you talked to a lot of those folks and they'll say, Hey, look, we're just going to take a percentage of your revenue. Right yeah. now, when you model out your financials and you realize, all right, X percent is gone. You have to kind of bake that into your model, right? When you're adding in whatever fixed cost you are. So, Yep. So in knowing your numbers, right? Knowing your cost basis, how much do you need to charge? Because listen, money's a commodity. 
it, it is something that you buy. It's just a matter of how much you're going to pay for it. So that's really what we're talking about today because there's so many ways that you can handle this. There's no one right answer. So you have to, one, know your numbers. Two, know your cycle time uh, of sales cycle, collections. Uh, are there ways to do in terms? I mean, there there's so many things in, in this, this um so many things on this topic. I mean, it, gets, it can be overwhelming at times. So now for you specifically with Northwood, I mean, what are the specific areas in which you're finding that, that you're able to help clients the most? Casey, why don't you take this one? Cause yeah, I mean, I think for, for the way that we typically work in our traditional re relationship is going to be everything based on accounts receivable. So that, um, you know, is going to be a typical factoring relationship or an asset-based loan and with a revolving line of credit. So uh, if you're like most people, when you say factoring or you hear me say factoring, you probably think I'm miss, miss saying the word factory, you know, where the widgets get uh, produced. But so with factoring, it's one of the oldest forms of finance. Essentially, as Adam said, you're going to be selling your receivables to, let's say, for example, this Northwood group, if you're getting paid 60 days out, you know, say your terms are net 60. I had a, I have a group that I'm actually worth working with now. Their terms are net 60, um, but they know mo most likely it's going to be late, right? Like how many customers pay on time? Um, and I've, I've been guilty in my own life, right? You get a bill from the doctor and you kind of forget to pay it right away. And then you get the next notice being like, hey, turn that in, right? And I'm sure everyone listening to this is a responsible adult, but we miss it, right? So your customers miss it. So if you're 60 days, you know, and you pay your employees every two weeks, right? Well, if you go past 60 days, those fixed costs will get a little bit tight. So in the true factoring relationship, it's what Adam explained. We would pay you 80, maybe 90% upfront uh, once you invoice, and then we would collect from your customer um, the payment, the residual, let's call it, you know, the 10% left credit that to your account and then we would charge a fee for that service or process. Um, that's kind of the, the way that we typically help in a, in a accounts receivable or AR working relationship on factoring. And then um, really an asset-based loan based on the accounts receivable, we're really going to look at all your customers, all your invoices, see kind of what that looks like in terms of, hey, I've got a million dollars. And then we would try to advance, again, the same 80% off of that to get you 800,000 as a working line of credit. And then we can look at other assets that we mentioned, whether that's your inventory, maybe it's a purchase order, right? You've got a big order coming up and you need some working capital to start. Um, we would try to advance on that so you have the funds to, to process that at the beginning. Those are kind of the two main ways that we help if you're a business out there um, in you know, kind of the alternative finance world. Yeah, so who, who would be taking advantage of these? I mean, what, what type of companies can most benefit from this? So I typically see uh, two types of companies or kind of two types of the spectrum, right? You have young and then you kind of have more established that have more recent losses. So if I think of the banking population, something that you said at the start, right? Let's focus on the startups, right? You have, uh, you don't have a lot of assets, but if you think from a banking, commercial and industrial, or it's called, they refer to it in shorthand, C&I loans, they wanna look at what you've done in the past, right? Um, which 
quick note, I don't know how they're going to do that looking at 2019 numbers when everyone's 2020 numbers are completely different, right? Like yeah. complete events. So that we won't touch that right now. But so banks want to look backwards, uh, which is great. Um, but if you don't have a past, it puts you in a tough spot. Um, so we see a lot of young companies. The group that I mentioned had has net 60 on a lot of their contracts, big telecom companies. Uh, they launched their LLC in August. So, you know, they have no, they don't even have, they're not even a year in business. So we see a lot of that young kind of upstarts in uh, a variety of businesses. And then we'll see groups that are older, maybe in turnaround mode or have some recent losses. Uh, banks, you know, may trigger some covenants or, you know, they're, they're just not quite as uh, credit worthy in the more traditional eyes. Yeah. Interesting. And, and in terms of industries, you'll see that groups like us, we really won't do business to consumer types of transactions because okay. it raises a whole host of other issues that now those folks will typically go and find something else, but we're going to be in spaces like construction, subcontractors, certain types of manufacturers, a lot of services businesses who they've got good cash flow, maybe they've got people they've got some things going but they don't have real estate because a lot of banks want to know they want something they can touch and feel to lend against and sometimes it's that real estate well you've got a staffing company you don't have real estate you've got you got a payroll and you got these people you can put to work so a lot of services businesses uh businesses that have a little lumpy revenue will typically work with groups like us because the bank says ah i'm not you just they just don't fit now there are certain banks that will take those types of groups but Generally, groups like uh, service businesses, IT services, will work with someone like us. A consumer-facing business, sometimes they'll work with a merchant cash advance, an MCA, one of these online fintech groups. And sometimes those can be really good. The problem is a lot of people don't look into all of the fees, and they might end up paying 100% APR. Wow. On that. And they, because they're getting daily, they're getting withdrawals from their, their checking account. And it makes managing the business incredibly tough. So um, we've seen a lot of businesses when it comes to MCAs. And again, there's there are probably some good ones out there. They will end up going and pulling out another line from another MCA to pay off the one that they're in debt with. And it just kind of stacks up. Casey's seen some, some really crazy stuff, but they'll have like three, four, five, six MCAs on there. And they're just, pretty soon they're bankrupt. Right. Well, so. and, that, and that's the thing too, right, is, is most companies don't realize that usually those that go to bankruptcy come off of their best sales year ever because mm -hmm. they don't realize how to manage that cash flow. And that's why this, right. this topic is so relevant. Yeah. Um, well, so, okay. So ideal. What's the cheapest money that I can get? Well, I mean, if you had that PPP money at 1% interest. Yeah, that um, would be a rent, right? I mean, it, it, uh, Casey, I'd love to hear your thought on this. I would say it's your own capital if, if you really believe in yourself and can bet on yourself. Because if, you, if, if your model, your economic model works, where are you going to get that same type of return that you're going to get betting on yourself? It's just, are you able to afford giving up whatever security or income that you currently have on that. And if you can't get that, I'm going to say, go to a bank, go to a bank, beat down the doors on the bank until you get a bank loan, assuming you can. Casey, you got, you disagree? No, I mean, I think, um, you know, if you're looking for a loan, obviously the traditional bank lender is going to be, 
it's going to be the cheapest, but it's also going to be probably the most difficult in terms of you've got to fit the, the small, the hole is going to be the smallest, right? It's going to be like, uh, you know, rolling the, the ski ball up the ramp at the like arcade, right? If you can get it into oh, the small circle, one at the hole, top. you know, so you get the most amount of points, but here you get the lowest interest rate. Um, so definitely the bank. I mean, I think um, the, the interesting thing is that the bank's credit box is just smaller. So it's a little bit tougher, but I think to Adam's, Adam brings a good point. You know, if you can invest personal funds that you've had squared away as you're starting up, reinvesting into the business with your own profits, um, you know, is probably the best way to fuel growth if possible, but obviously not every case is going to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and just for those who are in it, right. Who might be listening to this and going, Holy crap, I need some cash now. Um, there's no real cash now. This is, it goes back to, right. you got to plan this out, unfortunately, but um, for the bootstrapping, you might want to look in and talk to your, um, your CPA, your financial planners. You can, tap IRAs, tap 401ks off of this, uh, this CARES Act. Uh, I think that's what they call it off the CARES Act um, and be able to leverage that, have three years to be able to get that back on the IRA without that 10% penalty. So that's one way. Um, and then go ahead. Sound like somebody. Well, you know, this is something that I was actually explaining to a banker because he, we, were, we were on a call today with uh, a startup construction company. And I was trying to help these guys figure out how they could kind of bridge these pieces of growth. And they just thought, hey, we need an equity partner. And I'm saying, well, you do, but that's going to be the most expensive money you're ever going to take because you have zero customers right now. They're going to take the majority of the business. And you are telling me you don't want to work for anybody. You're going to be working for these guys. You just have some stake. Now, if you can go and get some customers, your business is worth more, your, their money is going to take less of your company. But one of the things I was telling people is like, there are a lot of things to look at. Like people have assets, they have 401k, they have home equity lines of credit and money's kind of cheap right now. If you can go tap that HELOC. The other thing that people don't know about, and I'm not here to share the gospel of insurance, but some people have whole life insurance policies that they've just, they bought when they were 30 and they've just been putting money into you can actually borrow against those. And, you know, if you don't pay it back in your lifetime, the principal and the interest are just deducted from whatever payment is made at death. So there, there are all sorts of creative ways to look for cash. Yep. And then the, the one that we're not bringing up is friends and families, right? The, the doctors, dentists, and lawyers looking for those, those type of folks. May, well, maybe take off the lawyers. No pun. Or, sorry. If, if, um, if, you're, if you're comfortable with that kind of relationship, right? Like yeah. the guy who thinks he knows business and is wondering why the $50,000 he's given you hasn't made him Jeff Bezos yet, right? Right. Yeah. And, and, and all of this, you have, there's no right answer here, gang. And that's why we're talking about, there's so many different options here. So, okay. So least well, expense, I, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say there's no right answer. And one of the things that you had mentioned is like, there's no, you know, there's no fast solution typically, or a, a great long-term solution is never quick, right? Anything worth doing is always takes a little bit of time. And I think when people grab onto the fast here, we've seen it cause issues to the business. So um, obviously, if you're hurting for cash, that pain is immediate. But if you can take a breath, 
find a way to maybe get the people you owe money to or, or delay something so you don't you aren't forced into a bad decision on the promise of quick cash that yeah. you know you don't read the fine print on yeah being rushed is likely the time that you're going to spend the most that you're going to make the worst decision so um, yep. as business owners, we really need to think three, six, nine year, year down the track. I mean, always be looking down the, the, the path so you can see this stuff coming. That's whenever you reach out to the Casey's and the Adams, whenever you see this stuff coming, because the best time to get money is when you don't need it. Right. Right. Absolutely. And if, if you need it, uh, that's usually the hardest and most, ex most expensive. So, okay. So we, we have bet on yourself if you can, but you better make sure you can bet on yourself. Cause that, that one hurts. If you mess that one up, then you go to the bank A bank is going to be roughly how long, if you can hit, uh, fit in their sweet spot, which is about, you know, uh, the size of a penny, maybe, um, what, how long does it typically take to go through there? A bank today? I have no idea. I mean, it was PPP. It was like two hours. Now it's, I mean, Casey, you're having as many conversations as I am. I mean, I, I think some of that credit that they're going to be extending is really going to tighten up and you need to bring cash to the table. You need great operating records. You need uh, real profitability. You need to show cash flow and potentially have some sort of asset like real estate that you can lend against. Time-wise, I would say probably six weeks, you know, it, like at the minimum, if you're going yeah. there, probably longer for a traditional bank. Yeah, I was thinking 60, 90 days. So, okay, six weeks would be, yeah. was, would be faster than I thought. Okay, so about that 60, six weeks, 60, 90 days. Yeah. Um, but you better make sure that you have it. Okay, so we, we can't fund it ourselves. We don't have friends and family. We can't get the bank loan. Um, we don't qualify for PPP. So for example, that construction company that you're talking about, you know, they probably didn't have too terribly much because if you're in 2019 without a ton of employees, that PPP wasn't the best ideal for you. Um, so, okay. So we've, we've exhausted those. Now what, what's, what's my next look? What's my next option? Well, I think it depends on your industry, right? Yep. So if you're a tech company there, there's always someone who will, there are, there's, there's angels, right? And you're going to have to kind of get networked into that group. And again, that still may not be fast because an angel is, you know, someone, their net worth's in the, you know, low millions, maybe, maybe significantly more, but they're investing 25, 50, hundred grand in deals. So angels are one, but they're looking for a pretty large return. They're not looking for a lifestyle business or just simply a cash flow business. There are those people out there. Uh, so people who think I might be in the type of business that requires outside equity investment need to be cultivating a pipeline of potential investors over time. Uh, if you're not in tech and angel investment doesn't make sense, you need to be thinking, okay, uh, what other types of loans could I get? And there are a host of people who provide bridge loans. And these could be anywhere from three to 18 to 24, sometimes 36 months. And they're usually secured against just the health of the business or cash flow, right? And they're usually gonna have priority there. It's gonna be more expensive money, right? It's, you're not talking like 8% money, you're talking more expensive than that. These types of people will, usually they're really good companies and they're gonna fund your growth. 
And that's one one could expect probably in the old days. I don't know if it's still there, but 18, 24% for those bridge loans. Is that still relevant or? I mean, it could be anywhere, Casey, you, you know, what do you think? 11%? Uh, yeah, it can go. Yeah. I mean, you're talking 24. double digits anywhere from low teens to higher, depending on yeah. what your, you know, what your certain cases or your yeah. use cases. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then for the, the, the VC companies right now, everything that I'm getting uh, feet on the street, the VC companies, the private equity companies, they're investing in their current portfolio to make sure those companies are shored up and able to see it through. And there's very few from what I understand, you guys can push back on me or that my listeners can yell at me. But from what I understand, there's not a lot of net new uh, net new tranches going out there are funds. So that, that could potentially eliminate that. So, okay, we can't do that. We're not, um, oh, by the way, if we do go the VC or the private, uh, private equity, know your exit strategy. What's that thing look like? How can you, how can you maximize that exit? Because you got to look at your finances. Do you have a, a machine? What's your management team look like? There's so much that goes into that. So really know what's that exit. What's the management team? The more that the company relies on you, the less valuable your company is. If, if you are the salesperson, if you're the, the sales team, the marketing team, and you're driving all the revenue, you take another hit. So think through all of these as you're doing this. Um, any comments on that, gentlemen? Pandora's box for us. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? All right, so then I, I can't do that. Now Now we can go to, uh, is that where we are, we, we're creative and now we're looking at what you, you're doing with the asset-based uh, asset or the factoring base. So what should people look for as they look at this type of lending? How do I vet the alternatives? What should I look for? What are the things that can really hurt me if I don't pay attention? Casey, why don't you take that one? Um, you know, I think a lot of things are, you know, when you're, when you're looking at it, as you said, first and foremost, right, you're going to look at the rates, right? Um, it's everything's money, right? So your cost of capital, how can I get that in the best sense for me? Um, you know, the fine print of any contract is going to be key, right? There's a lot of folks that won't read, um, you know, different accelerators, there's different triggering events, of say this may speed up or cost more. I think really knowing your contract terms and what that has on, and the effect of the business. Um, you know, we try to be as upfront of, hey, here's the path you're going down, right? Uh, for example, like we require a personal guarantee uh, from the business owner. So, hey, we say that usually on the first call, like, hey, if this isn't the, this isn't for you, this is a this is a, a no go for us, right? right? And so you got to be bought in. Um, so if you haven't heard these things kind of being informed that, so, you know, those are kind of two obvious ones that, that come to mind. Adam, you have things that. Yeah, I, I'll give you an example of some of the fine print that Casey talks about. Some of this is something that people don't know how it works and they need to look, I mean, we'll take calls with people and just understand their situation and kind of give them some advice, even if we don't work with them, but they need to understand, let's say you're in a, you're in any sort of debt facility. You need to understand how the cash works, how long you have it, what to Casey's point are the penalties. So in our world, if a receivable ages past 90 days, most groups will say, all right, basically they, they require you to recourse out, right? So you no longer have that money. You've got to pay that money back. And what happens if, if we think about money, 
what we, I, I like to think of, I'm a visual, right? And so you think about working capital, like you, this is, let's say this is your working capital, like a little ball of money. You want to expand it so that it's in the business helping you operate. And the longer you can hold on to that capital, you have to, there, there are businesses where people get paid 90 days longer. Well, if you're getting paid at day 100, for whatever reason, maybe you're in construction and it's pay when paid, and you get paid on day 100, but you're paying out at 90, there's this 10 day gap. So you have to know these things, right? You gotta know what are they looking at? How are they valuing my equipment, my inventory, my receivables? Uh, how are they valuing my cash flow? So these are things, and I think having a real relationship and access to the people who make decisions about money. So um, a lot of times people don't like, they go to the big banks, they don't necessarily go to the community bank, but we're, I think Casey and I are on the same page here. We're big fans of community banks because community bankers all know their customers really well, right? Now their money might be, you know, instead of a 3% loan, it might be a 5% loan. It's worth it to have someone who knows you and who will go to bat for you when times get tough because they know your business, they know your story, they go to church with you, you get your kids go to the same school they'll fight for you to get a better, a better term or to get extended terms or to get some sort of forgiveness in some way, shape or form. So I think having a lender, whether it's a bank or somebody like us who knows you and knows your business and gives you access to the decision-making process is huge because we've seen businesses where people didn't have access to the loan committee. And then arbitrarily when COVID hit, just their credit on certain customers and their lines of credit got squashed what do they do right yep. so it's and it goes to the point if you don't have that relationship if you aren't working this ahead of time um you know you likely are not going to fit in the box very neatly no one yeah. really rarely does anybody fit in the box neatly because if you did then you wouldn't have a hard time getting the capital and this conversation right. would be pointless so right. yeah absolutely well okay so what are some of um you, you know Based upon everything that we're talking about, any any hacks, and we may have co covered it, any hacks that you would give us from, you know, how, how do we deal with all this stuff? I mean, who should we be talking to, to partner with us, to come alongside us? Uh, is it like, what's the CPA need to know? What type of lawyer are we talking to? Who, who are the professionals that we should get to know? You know, I think... Um... You know, for me, I think there's a lot, there, there's, a, there's the professionals that I would know would be a CPA or anyone that has done any sort of turnaround group um, or like fractional CFO work. So if I am uh, a young entrepreneur or maybe not necessarily young in terms of age, like, hey, I'm 22, but you know, this is my new company and, I, and I'm first getting feet wet. Um, we work with a lot of either turnaround companies, fractional CFO types, who've kind of been in the streets in multiple instances and they, you can reach out to them. Um, LinkedIn is great in this world um, for people who are open to conversations and just say, hey, what are my options? They most likely can at least give you a starting point. Um, those guys, because uh, then they're thinking, hey, you know, it's a chip with you. If anything happens with your, co your company, you're gonna go to John or whoever you spoke to, you know, right, Sally, and they'd be there. Those are the type of groups that kind of know this alternative finance world, right? And right. we'll be looking out for your best interests. Perfect. Yeah. So, in my opinion, know, yep. yeah. So, know the fractional CFOs love it. Adam, you were going to say? Yeah, I, I would. I would build on that. If if I'm not, you know, 
Brian, you and I came out of consulting and right. consulting, it's a pretty simple business. Go sell it and deliver it and you charge in such a way that it works out for you even if you had to go, let's heaven forbid, a few months without work. The cash and the margin on it is such that it floats. If you start adding in employees and fixed costs, that's when you're probably going to need someone who can help you think through the unit economics, help you forecast cash flow. When we talk to people, one of the things we're looking at, we're kind of looking at some pro formas. Where do you see your business going? Not everybody has those modeling skills, right? I mean, I, I have seen, if, if you've been around business for more than six weeks, so at some point, somebody's showing you a business plan, which is like, <laughs> it, it kind of, it looks like it, it takes yeah. off, right? And they're like, we're going to be a trillion dollar company. But in two somebody, weeks. Yeah, two weeks, right? And I'm like, I don't think this adds up. But you need somebody who can help you think through the true unit economics, like the, the profit per, per sale and how that contributes to your fixed costs and how many sales you need to cover your fixed costs and then what happens, right? And how you can plow it back in. I, you know, there are, there are some CPAs who are good at that, not all of them but there are some who are great at it. A bookkeeper may or may not be that person because the bookkeeper is typically looking backward, whereas you need someone who can help you look forward. And Casey and I know quite a few people who are really good at doing this kind of work, whether it's 13-week cash flow projections or helping you kind of build the dashboard you need to assess the health of your company. Yeah, I love that because there's tactical people and strategic people. And the CFO levels, especially the fractional CFO levels that have lived it, breathed it, seen it, they're not bookkeeping tactical execution. They're up at the strategic, looking how cash is going to be the tool, the lever for your grow. So yeah, right. all, all really good stuff there. Love it. So well, let me go to this. I mean, resources that you would recommend. I mean, uh, any books, any podcasts, any guides, any help. What do you suggest to these folks to, you know, to, to help them avoid mistakes or, or get some knowledge to do better? Adam, do you have any, you want to jump in on that one? I have way too many, I have way too many <laughs> you, opinions. Uh, you, you're the one who knows this stuff. Well, no, Casey, Casey, uh, you guys all need to pray for Casey because he has to work with me every single day. And See that? It's, uh, you know, I, I, there are a few things like he's kind of, he's kind of taken a beating lately, but I would really encourage people to read and study thinking of Warren Buffett. Okay. Uh, because how he just thinks in terms of real fundamentals, um, I would encourage people like, I'm not a big podcast guy, not because I, I don't think they're good. I just don't have all the time to apply any of the little bit of stuff I know. And I have four kids. So if I'm not like prospecting or working on our business, I don't, I mean, there's not a lot of time, but I, I'm a big fan of, um, of how Warren Buffett thinks. I, from a common sense standpoint, I would encourage people to read the book of Proverbs or something like Marcus Aurelius to gain some wisdom. Because, you know, Casey and I were talking, there's a, there's a business we knew about that, was it two years ago, Casey, they raised a hundred million and now they're, they're completely just disbanding the company. Like two years ago, they raised a hundred million. They had about a hundred employees. The money's all gone, right? Wow. And they're bankrupt. Yeah. And so it's, man, that looked great. They raised all this money and now they don't, like they're, they're unwinding everything. And I, you know, I've mixed. So how do you build a real fundamental business? And then um, I think 
resources either learn sales or marketing really well. Like yeah. it's some, some, something about one of those two things, learn it really well so that you're not, I think you've either got to be able to drive some sort of demand or you've got to be able to convert at some point. And Brian, obviously this is where your team comes in, but having yeah. some of those is, is really important. Yeah, I, I, I love those and going old school with Marcus Aurelius and, and uh, Proverbs. Love it. All right. Man, geez. All right. So, I told, that's why I handed it to him. Yeah, yeah. He's going to go. Well, <laughs> all right. So um, trends, what's the future hold? What do we need to watch out for? Yeah, I mean, for us, we are, I mean, we're in the lending space, right? So we're really looking at what banks are, are doing. Today is June 30th. So we'll get a better sense of what's going to happen in the next. And I, I focus short term, kind of three to six months, right? I know you got economists talking about like V-shaped recoveries and all that, but um Almost, you know, I would wager that 90% of businesses probably took some sort of hit in 2020, right? If you, unless you're Amazon or a digital streaming company or something, right, that everyone's using in the pandemic, it's been hit. Um, something that I'm watching, and I mentioned it earlier, but is what's going on with banks and their current uh, ability to lend to current businesses because the PPP funds, you know, are ending or they'll be dried up. And then what are... Uh, companies access to capital as a result because I think banks are going to be a little bit more tight. Uh, they did a lot of loans last year. Um, so we're going to be watching that because, um, you know, we're, then we're able to help where, you know, the traditional lenders aren't. So that's kind of what I'm focused on August, yeah. September, October. So tap your lines of credit, make sure you have access. That's right. to yeah, it. I would so have dry powder and cash and be yeah, ready to go. Absolutely. So they don't shut that down. Oh man. All right. right. So, um, Hey, uh, I really appreciate it, guys. Lots and lots of insights here. Really appreciate that. So who should reach out to you? How should they do it? And why should people reach out to you? Well, I would say uh, if people are asking questions, let's say you've got people who are consultants, they're service providers, and they've got customers or clients they're worried about, we may not be able to actually help them, but we can we have a broad network of partners, of friends, of colleagues that we can take opportunities to and try to partner them with the right deal. Um, and we just kind of believe in this, uh, this world of do the right thing. So I've got this, uh, Casey, uh, in another podcast, he can tell you the story of the coin, but I got one cause he carries a coin. So I got one, uh, Ryan holiday who does the daily stoic produced this coin. And mine says summum bonum, which is Latin meaning the highest good. And it says just that you do the right thing, the rest doesn't matter. So we, we truly believe we're in a world where we're playing long-term games. And so if somebody comes to us, I mean, you know, I'm not going to solve your marketing problems, but if you need financing, we're going to try to find somebody to get people to. And the, you know, if business owners are looking for financing, I mean, they can reach out to us. They can email Casey at Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at darebizbizcapital.com. Uh, they can email me, Adam at darebizcapital.com. They can find us on LinkedIn. We're, we're not hard to find. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll tell them if we can't help. We'll try to find a person that can help them. So Love it. All yeah. right. So go ahead, oh, Casey. I was going to say, I think LinkedIn's the easiest to Adam's point. I mean, uh, he comes from a career consulting. I've had a, uh, you know, been in sales and marketing 
we have, know the finance well, we're just happy to be a resource. Um, so reach out and we can point you in the right direction. Perfect. So with a website like that, we'll kick you on LinkedIn. That's where this thing will be posted. Grab your coin so you don't have to buy somebody <laughs> a drink and have a great one. Hey, thanks so much, Casey and Adam. I really appreciate it.